0: Hey folks, Hyrulean here, and welcome back to Hyrulean Reviews Adventure Time. This is the first episode back in the old recording studio. Yes, my old car has returned, so I apologize if the audio sounds worse or better or different in any way, shape, or form. But I'm glad to be back in the old studio, and uh, yeah... I'm excited to get into this block of reviews for this couple episodes of Adventure Time. In the next hour or so, we're going to be covering the last six episodes of the end of season three of Adventure Time, and we'll kind of be seeing if we're going to end up getting another big, like, lore episode near the end, or... If we're kind of just going to end this one off with filler episodes. Honestly, it's hard to say. I mean, obviously I know because I've already watched all of them, but I am i don't want to spoil the fun, so... Uh, without further ado, folks, let's get into some good old Adventure Time analysis. And if you're watching this on the Spotify podcast channel or anywhere else where a podcast can be found, please note as well, after this episode goes up, there will be a release of The Supercut, which includes my reviews for every single episode in Season 3, and that will get posted in audio form to the same channels that you're listening to this podcast on right now, and also on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash Hyrulean, where you'll be able to find a time-stamped Supercut as well, in case you missed, like, one episode here or there, and you want to go back and listen to my thoughts on that there's also super cuts available on the youtube channel for seasons one and two as well and i'm planning on keeping up the super cuts throughout the rest of the series so if you do want to see me review a specific episode you should be able to find it there but yeah without further ado let's get into this week's reviews Season 3, episode 21 of Adventure Time, Marceline's Closet, is unfortunately not an episode where Marceline comes out of the closet and instead is an episode where our heroes, Finn and Jake, end up in her closet. Let me explain. So basically, Finn and Jake are headed over to Marceline's house for a little jam session and basically Finn shows off to Jake his brand new balloon music skills and proceeds to play a very interesting song about how he likes his women on a balloon by rubbing it and by letting air in and out of it and doing all sorts of weird stuff with it. And Jake follows suit by doing an adorable little dance to it where he shakes his cans, and uh, Finn makes the balloon make like a a squeaking noise as Jake moves his butt which I did count as our fart joke for the episode um, but basically after they have their little balloon musical number they arrive at Marceline's house in the cave only to discover that there's a note on the door and the note basically says that she went to the grocery store to get something and she'll be back in a couple minutes and not to go inside of her house And so, naturally, Finn and Jake end up inside our house. But before we get to that, let's talk about the little game they play outside first to try and keep their minds off of the desire to go into the house. And the game's basically hide-and-seek, but they call it something else. I'm pretty sure they call it, like, Cloud Seeker or something like that. Uh, And basically, the idea is the cloud is, like, trying to find evil or something and the person who's hiding is evil Um, but they end up just kind of even dropping the custom adventure time universe special version of hide and seek at some point and they even just refer to it as hide and seek later on so that's really all you need to know but basically finn turns away and counts to five and then starts counting back down and then turns around to start looking for jake and Jake is gone so Finn starts to look around and he ends up finding Jake in the picture window to Marceline's living room and basically he yells he's like hey man Marceline said in her note not to go in there you read it to me and Jake snuck in anyway through a little doggy door uh, that was in her doorway And presumably, if you remember, this doggy door is here because she did in one episode actually have a dog. So, pretty interesting little lore tidbit there. I feel like they kind of just dropped it after a little while because it didn't really work for her character. And also, there's the whole confusion between the fact that it was like a different breed than Jake. And presumably, it couldn't talk because it wasn't magical. So, they just kind of cut it out. Uh, But basically... When Jake was hiding in Marceline's house, he pretended to be Finn's reflection, but he was very unconvincing with it because he wasn't even mirroring Finn's actions correctly. Uh, So Finn catches on, scolds him for going inside the house, and then goes inside anyway to get him. And when he goes inside, he's like, hey, man, we got to get out of here. Marceline's going to be home soon, and she specifically said not to go in her house. And then he's cut off by the sound of her door unlocking and Marceline has arrived back home. So immediately, Jake covers Finn's mouth so he can't scream, and he stretches him upstairs into Marceline's bedroom, where they hide in her closet. And immediately, as soon as she gets in, she can sense that there's something weird going on. So she brings all of her groceries into the kitchen and sets them down, and does a quick sweep of her house But fortunately for Finn and Jake, she's not very thorough, and she does not notice them in the closet, even though she does pass by there a couple times. And she goes back down and starts to put away the rest of her groceries. And Finn and Jake are kind of bickering on what they should do and how they should escape. Uh, When all of a sudden, she comes upstairs into her bedroom. And she proceeds to kind of just chill for a second and... I might end up mixing up some of the events here in the bedroom because they all kind of just happen and then the episode's over. So, you know, I didn't specifically note down what order they happen, but I'll try and keep them straight in my head here. Uh, but basically, like, she does embarrassing stuff like picking her nose and flicking it and the booger goes through the grates in the closet door and lands on Jake, which is fucking disgusting. Uh, she proceeds to have her own like solo jam session where basically she gets all of her musical instruments and her guitar together and performs a song and records it for an album where basically the idea is she's going to record every entry in her journal for the last 500 years and so She starts to sing these really, really deep and personal things about, like, how she doesn't feel like anybody likes her and she has no friends and she's really depressed. And Finn and Jake are just like, fuck, what do we do? We're not supposed to be hearing this. What do we do? And so uh, Jake starts to try and chip his way out of the bedroom by chipping a hole in the wall. And basically he goes through this little hole to try to escape out the side of the building but inside of the hole there's a spider that chases him back out and when it does it chases him into the closet again and they manage to push the spider out of the closet and the spider starts to climb towards Marceline and when it climbs up the end table next to her bed it knocks over the lamp which alerts her and she immediately runs over to the closet and opens it up and is like where is it and they're like oh fuck we're caught so they hide really quickly and when she opens it and she's like oh there it is there's my dustpan and broom and she sweeps up the broken lamp and just proceeds to go on with her day uh we hear her go in the bathroom and like you can hear an unzipping sound and then a giant gush of water like I'm talking like the fattest piss you've ever heard in your goddamn life and uh Basically, they start to devise a plan to escape while she's occupied, and basically Finn is tasked with making sure the coast is clear, and when he does, he heads out and pokes his head out, and in the bathroom connected to her bedroom, he accidentally sees Marceline getting naked to get in the bath. And he gets all nervous, and his eyes turn really, really small, and he heads back to the closet. He's like, what's up, man? Is the coast clear? What's going on? And he's like, oh, I'm never going out there ever again. And it was was pretty funny. It was one of the funnier moments of the episode. And basically, they just end up being stuck in the closet until nighttime when Marceline falls to sleep. And one more thing I want to note before I talk about how they try to escape while she's asleep is before they go to bed and everything, uh, Marceline does try and call the treehouse to see if Finn and Jake are still coming, and again, I might be mixing up the order of these events a little bit, and nobody answers, obviously, because they're in her closet, and instead, the answering machine picks up, and they have one of those really obnoxious pre-recorded answering machine messages, and they have trouble... Keeping it together and not dying of laughter From hearing their answering machine message Which I thought was a funny little gag Because answering machine gags used to be really popular Back in the earlier days of cell phone popularity Um, But basically when she eventually does go to bed Finn and Jake attempt to make a break for it By crawling out of her room And they're almost home free When all of a sudden Finn decides to randomly start talking loudly and he's like hey is she asleep and that literally wakes her up and that's what happened and when she wakes up Finn and Jake scramble to try and find another hiding spot like Finn pretends to be a lamp by putting a lampshade on his head and Jake morphs back into Finn's reflection like he did before in the window and lays on the ground ...and acts like he's supposed to be there... ...even though it's obviously like, you know... ...he's either Jake or he's Finn. And so obviously Marceline's not impressed... ...and they start apologizing profusely to her... ...and saying like... ...they were playing hide and seek... ...and they ended up inside of her house. And she's like, hey, you know what guys? That's okay. I hide inside your guys' house... ...and you don't know I'm there all the time. So, you know, it is what it is. And they're like, What? And then it cuts to later, and Finn's literally laying in bed, and he scratches his ass and then smells his fingers. And you can hear Marceline making an owl noise, and she's literally on top of their treehouse, and she's occasionally peeking in at them and seeing their deepest, darkest secrets. So that's basically the end of this episode. That's sort of the whole idea behind it. Pretty simple premise, uh, but a pretty funny little filler episode. And it's funny that we've now officially canonically had Finn see Marceline naked, I'm sure the Rule 34 fan artists were going absolutely nuts off of that idea. I'm glad they got some decent content out of this episode, so good for them. Obviously, yes, this is a filler episode. No, I did not manage to spot the snail, and yes, I did consider the whole balloon thing a fart joke. Um, And Jake dancing to that balloon song was really really cute so I made sure to include that in the cute category Uh, and the coolest part was a part I actually didn't mention until now so basically one of Finn's ideas to get Marceline to leave the house was to write her a note that basically said that they needed her help immediately at the treehouse and she needed to come ASAP and rather than just like kind of sliding it out from another door or like you know Sneaking it somewhere inside of her house They instead turn it into a paper airplane And Finn explains That he's going to make the paper airplane Go downstairs and cook some eggs And then Land somewhere where Marceline Will find it and pick it up And of course when he wraps it up And folds it and gets ready to throw it He throws it out And it actually goes downstairs Opens the fridge Pulls out an egg Cracks it into a pan turns on all the burners on accident, and then gets a fork to try and, like, you know, use with the egg, and it fucks up, and all the burners are running on max, and the egg's burning, and then the paper airplane flies back upstairs and lands perfectly in Marceline's trash can, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, But other than that, the funniest parts of the episode, too, were Finn's balloon music uh, the fact that they were laughing and, like, kind of disgusted because Marceline didn't wash her hands after using the bathroom. Um, and, of course, Finn accidentally seeing Marceline naked was pretty funny, too. Um, and the grossest, weirdest moment was the one that I talked about before when Marceline was picking her nose and she flicked her booger out and it landed on Jake. Um, oh, and one more thing I wanted to note as well before I wrap this bad boy up. The note on her door was actually not legible, and Jake paraphrased it and just kind of was like, hey, guys, I'll be back in a few minutes, blah, 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 don't go in my house, Marceline, but apparently some sleuths on the Adventure Time Wiki, shout out to the Adventure Time Wiki, uh, have actually managed to get the note fully readable, and it says, hey, guys, I had to run out, but I'll be back in a few minutes, I had to run out to buy some ketchup, is it possible to be allergic to tomatoes? Um, my sleep patterns are always super weird when I eat tomatoes. Do you ever have any lucid dreams? Anyhow, don't go in my house. Yeah, so there we have it. Overall, pretty funny and interesting little filler episode to start off. This little block of reviews for my recording session. But yeah, pretty solid. Season 3, episode 22, Paper Pete, is yet another filler episode, and this time Finn and Jake are back in the library because Jake wants to go there to check out and read a book about Rainicorn history so he can impress Lady Rainicorn and be knowledgeable in the event that they ever have dog Rainicorn babies, so uh, Jake's there for that purpose and Finn kind of just tagged along And he's naturally super bored out of his mind because there's nothing for him to do at the library. So he starts to wander around. And he tries and tries and tries to convince Jake that they need to go on some sort of adventure and leave the library immediately. But Jake doesn't buy it and tells him to stop making up adventures. And basically that's the setup for the episode. Finn's wandering around the library aimlessly and he doesn't really know what to do. And before we get into any more plot explanation, I wanted to say to you really quickly, I thought this episode was about Party Pete. I misread the title originally, so I was really excited to see it, Party Pete. And I was really disappointed when it turned out this episode wasn't a follow-up about Party Pete and the Party Bears from before. So, do with that what you will, but yeah. I was instantly kind of a little clicked off this episode because it didn't turn out to be what I expected it to be. <laughs> And while Finn's wandering around the library, he tries to get people to pay attention to him by commenting on certain things that, like, might need a hero to fix. And one thing that he comments on is how some of the books are moldy and, like, de... you know, de... de deteriorating. That's the word I was looking for. (laughs) And basically he notices the books are deteriorating and he offers his help to try and fix it but obviously nobody cares and nobody's paying attention to him and that's when out of nowhere paper pete and the foldlings pop out of the books in the library and basically the foldlings are a civilization of paper mache people uh, that are the protectors of the books in the library and the the character, the man himself, Paper Pete explains that the Foldlings are actually those blank pages that you find in the beginning of the end of books Uh, and basically they rip themselves out and then fold up and that's how they protect the library which I thought was really creative and really interesting from a lore perspective Um, and basically Paper Pete explains that they're a secret protector of the library but since Finn Noticed that the mold was on the books that were deteriorating he basically shared their same concern for the plight of the library books and they decided to recruit him to help because the library books are being feasted on by the disgusting moldos and the moldos are basically these big worms and these big worms chew on the books and get mold all over them and they're the sworn enemy of the Foldlings, and Paper Pete wants to exile them all from the library by eradicating them. And he asks for Finn's help, and naturally Finn, looking for an adventure, obliges. And he tries to get Jake to come and help as well, but Jake does not believe a single word that he says, and he thinks it's just a trick to try and get him to leave the library. And Basically, Finn tries a whole bunch of stuff to convince him, but it doesn't work. He brings the foldlings to Jake as well. And the foldlings, like, pull out some of his fur to make, like, headbands and stuff for, like, war. And he doesn't believe it then. And then they, like, turn into, like, origami flowers and dance all around him. And he doesn't believe that either. And he doesn't even see any of it. And so... Basically, Finn ends up giving up, uh, and he just kind of agrees to help the Foldlings on his own. And the way he does that is by actually pretending to betray the Foldlings. And when they catch on that it was just, like, you know, a plan, and he wasn't actually betraying him, they all play along, and they infiltrate the Moldo base, and the Moldos are given uh, Paper Pete as an offering in exchange for, like, Finn and the Moldo's friendship. And then once the Moldo's come out, uh, Finn actually gets the Moldo's to come and munch on Jake to try and get Jake to, like, react and see what's going on and help out. But that even doesn't still work, really, because they, like, start to eat his fur and even, like, start to suck and bite on his skin. And Jake kind of just drops to the floor and he's like, Ah, Finn, what are you doing to me? And then... Like, he still doesn't really realize, like, what's going on. He's just completely trapped by the Moldows. So what ends up happening is Finn offers up his T-shirt to the Moldos because they really, really like it because it's sweaty and it's fabric. And they end up accepting it for peace with the paper or the, the foldlings. And Paper Pete's people are saved and the library books are saved. And the molding, the mold, moldos go back to their house with Finn's disgusting sweaty shirt, content and never to eat a book ever again. And Jake believes Finn all of a sudden and decides he does not care about Rain Corn lore anymore, and instead he'll just wing it. <laughs> and so basically, they get up and leave the library, and while they're walking back, um, that's what Jake sort of explains and they just end up going on an adventure and that's the end of the episode so there we have it what else do I have to say about this one Uh, so obviously yes this was another filler episode I did spot the snail this time the snail was in the library on one of the library tables it was funny there was like this whole montage where Finn just kept trying to get somebody's attention and they just ended up shushing him over and over and over again Uh, No, there were no fart jokes. The cutest part for sure was when the paperlings turned into flowers and then started dancing for Jake, only for him not to notice. Uh, The coolest part was the fact that the Moldo's had a literal lair in the library and they were hiding behind the bookshelves. Um, And the funniest thing was Party Pete introduced himself to Finn And said, if Party Pete's too long for you, Finn, you can just call me Pee-Pee. And Finn's like, "Uh, I think I'll just call you Pete. (laughs) Which was kind of funny. And let's see, what else here? The weirdest part was definitely when the Moldo's were eating Finn's shirt. Because they basically just confirmed that it's really nasty and disgusting. And Finn says, like, hey, in 40 years when you run out of my shirt, Uh, Come and find me, and I'll give you guys my shorts, too. I was like, what the fuck? Finn's gonna let them eat his shorts? So yeah, needless to say, very, very strange episode. I definitely didn't like this one as much as the last one with Marceline. Uh, So I was feeling kind of like a 6 out of 10 on this one. But overall, you know, pretty solid filler episode. And surprisingly, I remembered this one for some reason, like... Some of these episodes are starting to come back to me. There was a block there for a little while where I wasn't remembering them, but now I do remember this one and the last one and the next one, too. So it's interesting. Season 3, episode 23, Another Way, is another one of those episodes where... Finn is kind of just a dick to absolutely everybody, though you could almost argue it's kind of justified in this one. So basically Finn and Jake are resting at home, recovering from some injuries from a battle that happened, presumably off screen, and they are being taken care of by some clown nurses. And these clown nurses are really fucking creepy. And Jake apparently hired them to, like, kind of give them smooches and coddle them and take care of them while they're recovering from their injuries. And Finn asks if they can tell the clowns to go home. And Jake says that he already paid them up front and they don't leave until we're fully healed. And so they're stuck with them. And basically... Uh, Finn's laying in bed reading the Enchiridion and he discovers a giant that lives in the woods whose tears can heal any injury and he says hey man there's another way we don't have to do it this way and Jake's like nah man I'll stick with the clown nurses and then the clown nurses continue to kiss his feet Um, and the clowns are being super over-the-top and goofy as well to the extent where it's really creepy And there's even, like, a clown that's, like, farting into a bubble blower to make bubbles, which is really weird. Um, And, like, the main clown that's taking care of Finn has, like, a golden tooth and, like, a really disgusting face. And it's honestly just really weird and creepy. And it probably played into my childhood fear of clowns that I may or may not have had a little bit. Um, But basically, after a while, Finn just kind of gets in his head and starts thinking about how creepy the clowns are. And he decides, enough is enough, and he screams out, MY WAY! And he breaks out of his bed and starts hobbling over to the door and leaves. And it's at this point that Finn sets out on an adventure to attempt to basically find this giant's head in order to get the tears to heal himself so he doesn't have to deal with the creepy-ass clown bitches. When he arrives in the woods, he finds a fork in the road ahead of him and in the middle of it is a tree stump with a sign sticking out of it and the tree stump has this like cute voice and it's like, hey man, gotta go left or right, those are the only two options. And if you go right, you're gonna lose all your hair, no hair ever again. And if you go left, you're gonna be real stinky, stinky for the rest of your life. And Finn's like, what? She's like, hey, but man, stinky isn't too bad, so I'd recommend you go that way. And Finn's like, my way! And he rushes straight through the middle, smashing through the stumps sign, and straight into some thorns, right smack dab in the middle of the fork in the road. And when he arrives on the other side, he's cut up pretty bad, but he's still mostly okay. And he's in front of a river. And there's a small bush that talks to him when he arrives at the river. And the bush explains, like, hey, man, this current's too strong, so you can't swim across. Plus, there's electric eels that'll try to eat you. And it's just really, really bad. And the water's, like, really acidic It's practically like orange juice. Yuck. And Finn's like, there's no way. There's my way. My way! And he grabs the bush and basically uses the bush as, like, a paddle and, like, parts the river by splashing the water left and right out of his way and makes his way to the middle of the river. And he's, like, on this little landing, like, this stone that sticks out of the middle of the river. And the bush is completely dissolved and it's just basically a stem. And he's like, man, go back. This is crazy. We're not even halfway across the river. And he's like, my way! And he literally swims through the rest of the river, and he comes out on the other side, and he's got eels all, like, with their teeth sunk into him, and they're shocking him. And the frickin' branch is just kind of, like, laying there dead on the ground, and it's really sad. So Finn, like, drops the bush, or at least what remains of it, and runs over to this watermelon that he sees, and he smashes it over his head, and he's like, ah... Sorry, I just needed to cool down. And then there's this really adorable little guy. And he's like, hey, it's okay there, friend. Hey, do you think you could possibly help me get these other two watermelon down from this tree? I need to get them back to my wife at home, you know. She wants watermelon, you know, wives, right? And he's like, oh, I'll help you, but I'm going to do it my way. And he literally, like, jumps up there and grabs the watermelon and, like, throws them at her all the way across the freaking forest from them. And it smashes into her and, like, injures her severely. And the guy's like, what the fuck? Why are you so mean? And Finn just keeps on running. And basically, he ends up getting lost in the woods. And he sings a little auto-tune song about how depressed he is and how he's so sad that his way didn't end up working and all that. And then this cliff that he's standing on turns out to be the back of the giant whose tears he needs. And the giant basically says, like, hey, man, I'm not giving you my tears. Fuck off. And Finn's like, I don't even want your tears. I'm going to go back to my house with the freaking clown nurses. And then the giant's like, starts to cry because he feels bad for him. And he's like, no, this is all a trick. He's like, no, it's it's really not a trick. But then the giant tries to smash up Finn and, like, hurt his legs And he, like, smashes him really, really badly to the point where he's all, like, flattened. And Finn's, like, so upset about it that he literally, like, pokes the giant in the eye to make him start crying and it heals him. And then he fights the giant and knocks the giant's head off and carries the giant all the way back to the treehouse, passing all the people that he hurt or, like, upset all the way through this entire episode so far. And he sprays the giant's tears on them, healing them. And then he makes it back, and the nurses start kissing the giant's head because he's really injured. And Finn offers to heal Jake using the giant's tears, but Jake says, Nah, man, I'll just stick with the the, the nurses. And that's the end of the episode. So there we have it, folks. Let's see what else I have to say about this one, because I do have a couple other notes here. Uh, so obviously, yes, this was a filler episode. No, I did not spot the snail. And yes, there were fart jokes. Not only does a clown fart into a bubble blower, there's straight up a clown that just farts, and it makes like a stink cloud. The next couple episodes have quite a few fart jokes, surprisingly. They kind of lean into them for the next little bit here, but yeah, I thought that that was interesting. This is the first one that's just kind of like a fart joke that's an actual fart. Um, The cutest moment by far was like all the little... Uh, People that Finn fucked up. Their voices were adorable and they were all just living their little lives. Um, The coolest part was when Finn literally parted the river by swinging the bush around wildly. That was just kind of more impressive, to be honest with you. And, uh... The funniest part was definitely when Finn cut straight through the middle of the fork in the road because he didn't want to have to pick either options... Because he literally hurt the freaking sign too. And the sign is just like, what the hell, man? Uh, and the weirdest thing for sure was the clown nurses. The clown nurses were creepy as fuck. Um, but yeah, really other than that, that's all I've got to say about this one. The only other things of note is Finn used his auto-tune voice in this episode, which they kind of stopped leaning on it after a certain point and just let him sing normally. And all of the rest of the musical montages for the rest of season 3 all just use his regular singing voice. But they did manage to slip in an auto-tune song here. And also, he was reading the Enchiridion in bed, which is interesting because, you know, it gives us a little continuity in the form of the fact that he does still have the Enchiridion. And he is still actively reading it, so... Good stuff there, but yeah, overall, pretty standard filler episode... Uh, But nonetheless, good stuff does happen. And now for Season 3, Episode 24, Ghost Princess. So this episode starts out with Finn and Jake having a little camping trip in the woods, and it's late at night, and they're just grilling some wieners or roasting some wieners over the campfire. And Finn offers Jake some squeezy cheese um, from a little bottle to put on top of his hot dog, but Jake explains that he does not like squeezy cheese anymore because of something that happened, but he doesn't want to talk about it. Uh, So Jake ends up eating a normal plain hot dog, and Finn eats his cheesy hot dog, and all of a sudden... Ghost princess shows up and she's haunting them. Like, she's kind of just wandering around, floating around them, and making like ghostly moaning noises. And Finn and Jake are like, What the hell's going on, ghost princess? Why aren't you leaving us alone? What the hell? And she basically explains that she is like forced to haunt people because of the fact that she's stuck in the mortal realm and she can't ascend into the realm of the dead or whatever uh, because she doesn't know how she died so Master Detective Finn decides to get on the case and help Ghost Princess figure out how she died so she can ascend into the next plane of existence and so Finn and Jake and Ghost Princess head back to where she lives which is this massive ass cemetery full of tons of other ghosts and while they're there they basically decide that they're going to start interrogating her neighbors and see if her neighbors know anything about what's going on. And the first neighbor they interrogate is this weird looking ghost called Boylebee. And Boylebee's just kind of being a dick. He's like, Yeah, Ghost Princess always leaves the graveyard and freaking haunts people. She could just hang out here. It's pretty chill. And, like,. He's, like, berating her, and Finn and Jake are like, hey, man, knock it off, but he's not knocking it off. So eventually what ends up happening is this other ghost named Clarence pops out, and he's eating ghostly cheesy poofs, and he throws cheesy poofs into boilbee 's mouth to get him to just kind of give up and go back to his hole in the ground that is his grave, and there's a little uh, a little foreshadowing there in the form of Clarence eating cheesy poofs. But we'll get back to that here in a little bit. Uh, but basically, Clarence sees Ghost Princess, and he immediately is super infatuated with her. And they start flirting very heavily. And Finn and Jake say that they need to go find some more people to investigate. And Clarence points them in the direction of some neer do That are ghosts, and so they start heading that way. And Ghost Princess stays and hangs out with Clarence, and they even go to a concert for a ghostly band called Spirit Wave, which was pretty cool. Um, But meanwhile, with Finn and Jake, Finn and Jake decide they're gonna play Good Cop Bad Cop, and there's a grave that's like marked over, and it says like Here lies like Dorcas or Doofus or something like that, and they. they call for the ghost to come out of its grave, but it doesn't come out of its grave. So they dig up the body and, like, start smacking the body around and trying to get it to talk, but obviously it's a dead body, so it's not gonna talk. And, uh, Finn's playing bad cop off, or Finn's playing bad cop this entire time, and he's super playing it up, and they find, like, half a knife and all this shit, and, like, obviously it's a dead body, so it's not responding. And what ends up happening is they kind of have to give up. And Ghost Princess comes back and says, Hey, it's okay. I've decided I'm not depressed living in the mortal realm anymore because I get to be with Clarence. So you guys don't have to try and solve my murder anymore. I really don't care because, you know, at least I have Clarence to keep me company. And so they're like, uh oh, whatever. Okay, that's fine. We're glad you're happy at least. And they start to leave the graveyard And that's when Jake realizes that he was grave robbing the entire time they were there, and he lifts up his stomach, and underneath his stomach, he had wedged a whole bunch of stuff that he stole from a bunch of different graves. And one of those things that he stole was that half of a knife blade that he found in that one grave uh, that they dug up and were beating around. And Finn takes a closer look at this knife blade and realizes that the part of it that's sticking out that still remains, because it's split in half, is, uh, it says on the blade Ents, like E-N-C-E, and that's when Finn starts to think, like, wait a minute, Ents? Like, Clarence? And so, Finn says, it's time to go dig up Ghost Princess, so they go find Ghost Princess's grave, which is funny, because it just says female, (laughs) for some reason, and, uh, When they get there, they basically dig it up and they find the other half of the knife embedded in Ghost Princess's corpse, and the other half, of course, says Claire. So, it's Clarence's knife, and it turns out Clarence, when he was alive, was the one who killed Ghost Princess. So, Clarence, in the B-plot, invites Ghost Princess back to his private mausoleum to have a little... A little smooching and possibly some ghostly sex. And basically Finn and Jake show up and quickly stop it before anything happens and explain what they've discovered. And that jolts ghost princess's memory and she's suddenly able to remember that she used to be a warrior princess who was in love with another prince named Clarence. And their two kingdoms were at war, so they actually ended up going into battle, and Clarence ended up killing her in battle, and she died. And so Clarence is obviously super remorseful, but he can't figure out how he died, so he's still stuck in the mortal plane. And a ghost princess now knows how she died, so she can ascend into the next realm. And when she ends up leaving, Clarence is just kind of dejected, And he realized that he killed her, but he doesn't really know why. And he feels all sad and remorseful, and he misses his love. And he says that his life is like a fart. And that's when Jake realizes that he knows Clarence from somewhere. And we get to go into a flashback sequence with Jake, where basically Jake recalls the fact that he was at a convenience store. Yes, an actual convenience store called the Squeezy Mart. And inside the Squeezy Mart was none other than Clarence. And he was basically a bum, and he was, like, super uh, scruffy and all messed up and, like, you know, a wreck of a man because he killed the woman he loved. And he just kept drinking the cheese out of the squeeze cheese at the Squeezy Mart. And it was to the point where the faceless uh, cashier at the Squeezy Mart kept telling him to stop, but he said no. No. And Jake was gonna put him under citizen's arrest, which is kind of funny. And he just continued to drink the cheese until he actually exploded and died. He literally committed suicide using squeeze cheese, which is kind of fucking creepy in its own right, but it's also kind of gross. And it explains why Jake does no longer like squeeze cheese on his hot dogs. And it also explains why Clarence was eating cheese puffs at an earlier point in the episode. Um, but let's see. Other than that, obviously, now that Clarence knows how he died, he gets to pass on as well, and Ghost Princess and Clarence live happily ever after. So there we have it. A bit of a happy ending on the bookend of this one. Um, and what else do I have to say about this one? Obviously, yes, this was a filler episode. I did spot the snail. The snail was inside of the literal grave. I don't remember if it was... Uh, ghost princesses or Clarences, but the snail was in literally one of those two graves. Um, And like they opened the casket and the snail was in there, which was weird. Um, And yes, there were fart jokes, not literal fart sounds, but Clarence says that his life is like a fart, which is literally a fart joke. So I did count it for this episode. Uh, The cutest part for sure is Clarence and ghost princess. And even though they killed each other, it's kind of like a reverse Romeo and Juliet they killed each other but then they ended up getting to be together which is kind of funny um, but it's they're really really cute together and Clarence is a smooth talker uh, the coolest part was definitely when Clarence and Ghost Princess went to the Spirit Wave concert Spirit Wave was just kind of like this band where it was like these four ghost women on stage doing like sexy dances I don't know I thought it was kind of interesting to have a in-universe band um, other than that i put down that it was funny that jake didn't like squeezy cheese on his hot dogs anymore for some reason but i guess now we know why and the fact that boil was subdued using cheesy puffs was kind of funny as well um in Finn playing the bad cop was just downright hilarious too because he was like so good at it it was kind of scary Um, And also the fact that Jake just freaking grave robbed a bunch of graves and he said he didn't know it was bad, which is a callback to the fact that he didn't know that uh, stealing old ladies' purses was bad and also stealing bikes and flipping them for money was bad in that one episode with tree trunks and her apples that got stolen. So that was kind of funny. A few other things of note really quickly. Uh, While they were at the Spirit Wave concert, the guy who was hosting it basically called out this website called GhostDates.com, which is basically a website that apparently has different dates uh, for ghosts to go on, which is kind of funny because obviously Ghost Princess and Clarence were on a ghost date at the Spirit Wave concert. And I went to GhostDates.com, and it's an actual website and it has a gif of spirit wave dancing. If you want to check out what it's like, but you don't want to watch the episode. I thought that was pretty interesting. And uh, I don't know if that was like a Cartoon Network thing. Or if that was actually uh, done by the like fans of the show. But I did think it was pretty interesting that that website existed. Um, and it was also interesting like from a lore perspective that... Clarence and Ghost Princess were both, like, formerly prince and princesses of different kingdoms that were at war. Because that, again, implies that there's war in the Adventure Time universe. Um, And the other interesting thing was the fact that there was just literally a convenience store in the Adventure Time universe. I did not expect that, but... There we have it, folks. Very interesting filler episode. I like this one quite a bit. Season 3, episode 25, Dad's Dungeon, is yet another episode where our heroes go into a dungeon. And this time it starts out a little bit differently. So, Finn and Jake and Beemo are hanging out on top of the treehouse in that little boat balcony that they like to hang out in from time to time. And all of a sudden they see some sparkles... On top of the tree so immediately they jump down from the boat and chase the sparkles into their treehouse and when they do the sparkles lead them upstairs into the attic of the treehouse where they find a holotape player and a holotape and when they slot it in and hit play they see a holographic message from none other than Finn and Jake's father Joshua And Joshua explains that before he died, he actually built them a dungeon to explore. And he tells Finn to cover his ears, and he explains to Jake that basically the dungeon is a means to toughen Finn up and make him ready for the world. Uh, Because as he explains it, Finn as a baby is significantly more whiny and babyish than Jake was, and he was worried about him. And basically, after he has Finn uncover his ears, he explains that the dungeon is full of perils, and at the end of it, as a reward, is the family sword, which was forged with demon blood. And then a demon appears in the living room where he recorded the holotape, and Joshua literally, like, casts a spell to send it back to the fiery depths of hell, which was really cool. And basically, he explains that the entrance to the dungeon is 80 paces from where they are right now so somehow Joshua knew that Finn and Jake were destined to end up living in the treehouse, even though it's been established that it was belonging to Marceline originally and basically he says the dungeon's entrance is hiding under a big dumb rock and immediately Finn and Jake set off on the quest to find the dungeon and we cut and they're like 80 paces away from the house and there's this big rock with its tongue sticking out and it's like, duh, and they push it out of the way and find the entrance to the dungeon and when they get inside, immediately they're met up with the first peril of the dungeon which is two golems made out of hamburgers and hot dogs two foods that Finn and Jake wanted for breakfast this morning And so Jake's very tempted by the food animal, the food golems, if you will. And he starts to try and eat them, but Finn has to stop him. And then basically they end up fighting him for a moment and then running away and, like, sort of blocking them off down this corridor. And that's when they realize this is about to be much more treacherous than they originally thought. And... They find another holotape in the next room, so they slot it in. And what they find next is basically Joshua tells Finn to cover his ears again. And he explains to Jake that Jake needs to berate Finn and basically tell him he's a big baby. So he has extra motivation to prove himself and finish the dungeon because he thinks it's going to be too challenging for him since he's not the strongest. And Jake kind of has his reservations about doing this, but then Joshua, like, sort of, you know, holds him accountable for it, he's like, come on, Jake, do it for your dead papa, come on, and he's like, yes, papa, so then uh, Jake immediately starts berating Finn and calling him a crybaby and all this stuff, which is then established that Finn's significantly less of a crybaby than he has been, and he's toughened up quite a bit since he was a little kid, which is funny because the next episode will totally just kind of prove that false, but we'll get to that, Um, but basically, Jake, despite not wanting to, keeps telling Finn that he's a big crybaby and he's weak and, like, he's not going to make it through the dungeon because it's too dangerous, and so Finn kind of presses on and he's starting to get pissed off at Jake, And he's starting to get pissed off at Joshua because Joshua in the holotapes is berating him and calling him weak and a baby also. And they eventually arrive at, like, a fork in the dungeon where they can go right and there's, like, some magical flower trap spell. Or they can go left and there's this big stinky monster guy. (laughs) And they go over to him. Like, they go over the flower path and they're like, let's go the flower pathway. And the monster's like, what? What the heck? Come on, guys. Come my way, man. And they're like, no. And Jake's like, yeah, you're a big stinky bro. He's like, "You, this is bro to bro. You need to take a shower, man. And he's like, really, man? You think so, bro? And he's like, yeah, man. He's like, oh, Okay. Which is kind of funny, and then he like squeezes himself, and he's got like these lumps on his body, and when he squeezes them, like liquid comes out, and it's really fucking gross. Um, But anyway, they end up going down the flower path, and eventually they run into this massive table with a feast sprawled out, tons of different fruits on the table, as far as the eye can see and there's a bunch of beautiful maidens around the table convincing them to try and eat, coercing them into eating the sweet fruit and Jake's basically like all right man we can't eat this fruit it's just like the golems we gotta just keep moving on and Finn's so pissed off at Jake for being mean to him and pissed off at Joshua on the holotapes for being mean to him that he's just like fuck it I'm gonna eat the fruit and Jake quickly manages to stop him, but then the the fruit ladies end up getting really pissed off, and they reveal their true forms to be like these evil, like, succubuses, or succubi, or whatever you want to call it. And they attack Finn and Jake, and Jake stretches them out of there and quickly helps them get away just in time. And basically he's in a position where Finn is so pissed off that he decides that it's better to just kind of tell Finn the truth rather than hold up his promise to Joshua to kind of berate him and call him a baby. And he says, like, that this whole dungeon's for him to toughen him up, and he basically doesn't actually believe that he's a crybaby and he's just doing what their dad wants and he doesn't mean to offend Finn. And... He tells Finn the next time that there's a holotape, he should watch it, and when Joshua says to cover his ears, not to cover his ears, and so they find another holotape, and Finn doesn't cover his ears, and Joshua explains that basically there's one more room, and there's this big enemy in there, and after Finn defeats it, he's going to get the family sword, and Jake needs to keep calling him a baby. And then all of a sudden in the holotape, Joshua is snatched up by these giant hands that come through a crack in the wall. And Finn and Jake sort of run into this crack in real life to make Pursuit, even though obviously he's probably not there. And that's when they enter this big room where there's this, like, monster with a crystal gem on its forehead and big-ass hands. And then there's the family sword wrapped in chains and locked up waiting for somebody to come and get it. And Finn basically starts to try and fight the monster without using the sword, just kind of despite their dad for being mean to him. But eventually he caves and he manages to pull the family sword out from the chains that it was stuck in and he uses it to vanquish the demon and they finish the dungeon. And Basically, there's another holotape that Jake plays during the final battle, where Joshua says to play it after Finn finishes the dungeon, and in the holotape, Joshua explains that he created this whole dungeon to try and help Finn and make sure he stays tough, because he knows Finn's gonna go and get himself in a ton of trouble because he's got that like heroic mindset and he wants to make sure that he's strong enough to meet his challenges and face his fears and he says that he loves Finn which is really sweet because obviously if you recall Joshua is a magic dog and he's not Finn's biological father but he is Finn's adopted father so it's a nice sweet moment where Joshua basically says that he accepts Finn for who he is and he accepts Finn as one of their own even though he's not explicitly a magic dog like the rest of the family are so pretty sweet and touching moment Finn has a badass sword, and they leave the dungeon, and Finn's running to go vanquish some evil using this badass new demon blood uh, family sword that they got. And then the demon whose blood is in the sword pops up again, the one from the holotape from before. And Jake rewinds the holotape and plays the part of the holotape where his dad casts the spell that sends the demon back to hell. And it, again, sends him back to hell just off of the audio recording, which is kind of funny. And they walk off into the sunset. End of the episode. So there we have it, folks. There's our little synopsis. Let's get into some of the more finer details. I was feeling pretty good about this one. I think it was like a 7 out of 10. Um, And let's see if there's anything I forgot. I put this was not a filler episode, even though you could make a case for it being one. I personally feel like it wasn't because of the fact that there was some character development on Joshua's part. And they kind of went out of their way to make it so uh, Finn and... uh, Finn and Jake kind of got to see a new side of Joshua. And Finn got to have this moment where basically he was fully accepted into the... uh, The Magic Dog family of... Jake and his family and Joshua, so pretty wholesome overall, and I do think that it was a big enough moment that I did not consider it a filler episode, um, and yes, I actually did spot the snail. The snail was at the beginning of the episode on their little boat balcony that hangs off their tree. Yes, there was fart jokes also on the boat balcony, um, basically... Jake turns into a cheetah, like shapeshifts into a cheetah farting, and he literally just makes like fart noises, and he looks like a cheetah, so there you have it, straight up normal ass fart joke, no pun intended, Um, but yeah, there's that. The cutest part for sure was when Joshua was holding baby Finn and baby Jake, and he squeezed both of them, and Jake was just kind of like laughing about it, and Finn literally started fucking bawling, and Joshua's just like... Uh, <laughs> but it was kind of cute. Not gonna lie. Um, and the coolest moments, for sure, uh, were the family sword made of demon blood. I'm excited to see Finn utilize that in future battles. Joshua with his fucking badass demon magic, um, pretty sweet. And also the fact that Joshua recorded all these Hollow tapes. Like it was honestly just kind of neat to see, like this whole Hollow tape system in the universe. I was a big fan of it, and I thought it fit very well with, like, the Adventure Time, like, futuristic fantasy setting that the Land of Ooo is set in. Um, the funniest part for sure was, at the very end of the episode, Jake on the fly edited the holotapes to make their dad beatbox, uh, which was pretty funny. And let's see here. The weirdest part slash grossest part for sure was that nasty-ass monster in the corridor. Um, But other than that, the one last thing I wanted to bring back up one more time is somehow Joshua knew that they were going to end up living in the treehouse because he built the dungeon 80 paces west of it, which is interesting. It makes you wonder if maybe Joshua was alive when they moved into the treehouse. It's kind of hard to say for sure. You know, they don't really ever tell us for sure, but... Hopefully we find out later a little bit better timeline for everything. But either way, there we have it, folks. A little interesting one for us. And now for the final episode of Season 3. Season 3, Episode 26, Incendium. So this episode starts out yet again on top of Finn and Jake's treehouse. And they're up there hanging out with Princess Bubblegum. And Princess Bubblegum is showing them these new fireworks that she developed uh, that instead of shooting sparks, shoots glowing liquids. And she shoots one off into the air, and it explodes into a brilliant light of colors. And Jake kind of lays his head on Princess Bubblegum's lap, and he's like, wow, that's amazing, Princess. And she pats him on the head and says, like, Aw, thank you. Good puppy. And Finn immediately gets super jealous. So he scoots his way over to Princess Bubblegum and lays his head on her lap. And says, like, these are beautiful, princess. And literally, Princess Bubblegum does the meanest fucking push Finn's head off her lap. And she's like, Finn, ew, no. No don't do that. And she's like, sorry guys, I gotta go. And she literally fucking leaves after being super rude. And literally Finn is so dejected by this. Obviously he crossed the line, like, you know, laying his whole ass head on princess bubblegum's lap, but she was such a bitch about it. Like she could not have been more mean about it. So needless to say, Finn Immediately heads downstairs. He gets all of his pictures of princess bubblegum and lays down in a corner on the floor And holds her lock of gum hair that he still has and cries about it And basically he just thinks about how he doesn't have any chance in the world with princess bubblegum Even though he is deeply in love with her and it's honestly really sad because She was so mean to him and I just felt awful for Finn in that moment And Jake, being the good friend that he is, sees how absolutely destroyed Finn is. And he decides he's going to make it his mission for the day to go out and find Finn a new love interest. And as he stretches across the lands looking for somebody for Finn, he sings a little song. And he's like, I'm gonna find a honey for my homie. A baby for my buddy. A lady for my laddie. And that's an iconic moment that's stuck in my head for many years after viewing this episode for the first time. So naturally I wanted to share that with you guys. Um, And basically he's just kind of wandering around. And in the woods he runs into Flambeau. Which of course if you've been following the series up until this point. You'll remember Flambeau from the previous episode. And basically, he's talking to Flambeau, and he's like, Hey, Flambeau, you don't happen to know any princesses around Finn's age, do you? And Flambeau literally goes, Oh, yeah, I know a couple skirts. (laughs) It's like, what the fuck? And, yeah, so he's literally like, yeah, I know a couple skirts. I know just the gal. And he proceeds to lead Jake all the way to the Fire Kingdom, where, of course, Flambeau is from. And when they arrive, Flambeau casts a little spell on Jake so he doesn't burn to a crisp. And they head into the king's court. And when they arrive, the king is there with a bunch of his subjects. And, of course, there also is Fire Princess, a young princess the same age as Finn. So, basically, Flambeau gets Jake the chance to meet. Fire King in an attempt to swoon him over and earn Finn a chance to meet the fire princess and it doesn't go too well um but what ends up happening is Jake straight up pretends to be Finn again by like morphing his body to look like Finn and he beats the shit out of himself for being so bad at winning the king's favor and the king says that's like the best thing ever beating the shit out of your servant to prove your value to me, I love it, and he releases Fire Princess down to meet Fake Finn, and he's like, yes, it's time for you to meet my evil daughter, and he releases the Fire Princess, and she literally comes down, and, like, somebody was, like, whispering nearby her, so she literally turns around and just fucking zaps them with fire and burns them to a crisp, and Jake pretending to be Finn is like uh actually on second thought I don't know if you're really my type and Flame Princess gets so fucking angry that she starts to almost attack Jake and he narrowly escapes and he's running back to the treehouse and Flame Princess is hot on his heels chasing after him and he runs inside and he's like Finn I messed up I messed up and Finn's kind of still just depressed and laying in the corner crying when all of a sudden the fire starts to leak into their treehouse and it burns his pictures of Princess Bubblegum, which sets him off. And at this point, Fire Princess has grown to a massive state and she surrounded the whole treehouse. And Finn bashes through a window, sticks the gum to the side of the treehouse, and then climbs to the top where he activates one of Princess Bubblegum's fire works rockets that shoots liquid instead of sparks and it goes all over her and basically makes her shrink and weakens the shit out of her and Finn catches her and brings her back inside and is basically like who are you? And she smacks him on the face leaving a big burn mark and she's like what the fuck is wrong with you? Never mess with me ever again and she like jumps out their window and burns off into the sunset and Jake was like who was that and or Finn was like who was that and Jake was like oh it was just the fire princess and he turns towards the camera and Finn goes I think I have a crush and that's the end of the episode so basically this episode was important for the Lord because it introduced a whole new love interest for Finn Finally, Princess Bubblegum can fucking take the L, and Finn's going to start dating around and finding a new lady. So, I was really, really stoked to get to this point, because honestly, this is the last major arc that happens in the show that I actually remember from watching when I was a kid. I definitely watched a few episodes into season four to kind of see where it goes, but this is the start of the end for my previous viewing, so... It'll be interesting to see where the series goes after my knowledge of it has been fully expelled. Because, you know, then it'll be basically seeing the whole series with a completely different perspective of new and fresh eyes. So, that'll be interesting. Uh, But let's go over the last couple things here that I have to say about this episode that I haven't already. Um, Yes, this was not a filler episode I almost said that it was I did spot the snail that's what I was going to say yes to the snail was in the treehouse on the picture frame of the naked lady that they have in the living room no there were no fart jokes the cutest moment for sure was BMO because Jake leaves Bimo in charge of watching Finn while he goes out and BMO's like don't worry Jake if anyone tries to hurt Finn, I will kill them. And <laughs> it was really fucking cute. Um, and the coolest part for sure was just Jake's pure ability to manage to accidentally or on purpose, however you want to look at it, uh, blame, or not blame, win over the favor of the Flame King. It was honestly just impressive from like a... A plan strategized kind of point. It reminded me of when he helped uh, Finn conquer his fear of the ocean. And he did that really complicated recreation of their bedroom. That was impressive as well. He's really, really good at executing a plan when he puts his mind to it. Uh, The funniest part for sure was the honey for my homie, baby for my buddy, lady for my laddie part. Stuck with me for years. The weirdest part was... Jake checks on Finn at one point by pulling up Bimo's camera eyes. And Bimo literally, like, sees Finn's ass crack sticking out of his shorts. And he puts his hands in front of him, like, to do a nosedive. And he, like, jumps towards Finn's ass and the camera cuts away. And we hear Finn scream. So Bimo might have crawled into Finn's ass. That's possibly a part of the lore. Uh, Another part of the lore... That was weird. As Fire Princess casts these spells on her subjects when they piss her off. And it makes them look like Flambo. So Flambo offhandedly remarks like, oh, this was how I was created. Which is kind of funny because they're like just kind of being on the nose about the whole lore thing. But basically, uh, the residents of the Flame Kingdom normally don't look anything like Flambo. But Flambo is Flambo because... He must have pissed off some royalty, and they turned him into this little fire guy. Um, Also, this episode is the reappearance of Flambo, which I already kind of mentioned. The Fire Dogs appear in this episode. I was right, they are from the Fire Kingdom, if you recall from the Snow Golem Fire Dog episode a little while ago. Um, And I also wanted to note that the Flame King is voiced by Keith David a uh, pretty big time voice actor. He was David Anderson uh in Mass Effect if you've played Mass Effect before, and also he voiced the president in Rick and Morty. So interesting little cameo to note there. Um but other than that, that's really all I got to say about this one. Definitely not a mortal folly kind of plot, but you know, still interesting nonetheless and i'm glad that finn is finally able to move on from princess bubblegum in some shape or form at least for now because she's honestly toxic as hell and flame princess is like toxic as hell too but in a different way and we'll kind of see more of that as we progress here but you know interesting stuff is happening the plot's developing i'm really really happy about it So, there we have it, folks. That's it for the last episode of Season 3. Thanks, as always, for listening to the block review. And make sure you stay tuned, because here in the next couple days, I'll be uploading the Supercut audio only on all the podcast channels. And if you want to see, like, a little animated graphic and have the timestamps For the individual episodes, you can also listen to the Supercut on the YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Hyrulean. Been having a lot of fun with the Season 3 stuff. The show's getting better and better, and I can't wait to see what Season 4 is like. So yeah, thank you very much for watching, and have a great day. Bye bye